my brother from a different mother. I got to tell you a little story about Scott Reel. Uh, Scott, if you don't know already, he's author of several books and um, a part of an organization called Restore Small Groups. And they are leading people on the journey of hope and transformation all around the world. I can't tell you the places, all the places that this little ministry has gone and the books that he has written. But let me tell you a little story about how, how Scott and I first met, just so you'll know. And then Scott's going to help us this morning. We're on this journey of epiphany. Um, it's it's a, a season in the church calendar after Christmas where human beings finally get serious about Christ showing up, the light and the love of Christ showing up. And then they begin to open their hearts to that presence and they begin to experience real transformation and change and growth. And it, it, I love that it's right at the beginning of the year. What a perfect time to kind of take evaluation and go, how could I grow in this new year? So Epiphany kind of helps us do that. But Scott Real, I started at a, a church here called Hope Park and it was my first couple months. Uh, they put me in the only office that was left, and it was the one that had all the bookshelves. So all the other pastors that didn't want their books anymore, they'd go put them in that office. So when I moved in, I have 200, 300, 400 books, and I'm going, I have no room to put any of my books in here. So I started cleaning off the bookshelves. And on this one section was about 35 books, and you got it. It was a book called Journey to Freedom with the author Scott Reel. And so as I'm going through, I'm just trying to create space for my books. So Scott, what I did was, I didn't know what that was, and I picked it up, and it said, start a new life of happiness. What is the title on it? Is that what it says? Hope and happiness. Hope and happiness. A new start to hope and happiness. So I just went self-help. And so here's what I did. Books that I thought could be useful went on one cart. Books that I thought were either going to take to McKay's or were just going to throw them out went to another cart. Um, Journey to Freedom was on the cart that uh, was, was going to go away, Scott. <laughs> and so, but here's the crazy thing. I have it sitting on the cart and just piles of books, but it's on top. And another pastor in the community comes in and meets with me that day. And he walks in and he goes, oh, you guys do Journey to Freedom here. I'm like, what? He's like, Journey to Freedom, these books. I'm like, no, what is Journey to Freedom? And so he says, he starts telling me about Scott Real. And, he, and so we have this short conversation. He says, hey, if you would ever want to meet Scott, I know him, and I can introduce you to him. So I'm thinking, that is just so odd. And so anyways, throughout the day, it was kind of bothering me. Every time I'd walk past that book, I'm like, what is this thing? So I picked it up, and it starts off with, if Jesus were to say to you that you could be healed, and you could be healed, what would you tell him you wanted to be healed in? And that just captivated me. So I started reading more. And then it goes into basketball analogies. That had me at that point. So the whole day, you guys, I am reading Journey to Freedom. And by the end of the day, I called my friend back and I said, I want to meet Scott Real. So we met at O'Charlie's on uh, Pie Wednesday or something. We, of course. Yeah, we had free pie. And we just connected as a kindred spirit. I don't think we finished our pie. We took it with us because we just connected. And I'm just so grateful for this man and his presence in our lives. But we're going to tag team this morning, kind of like we did last week. And Scott, um, about 9 p.m., I was thinking, what names could we give this duo? So, and maybe you guys could help me, but what names could we give this duo of ours? But here's a couple that I came up with. Song and dance. <laughs> Which one of us do you think is a song and dance? You think I'm the dance? You are wrong. 
I'm the song, he's the dance, because I watched this guy dance at Peter and Aaron's uh, daughter's wedding, and I was like, whoa, that man got some, got some moves. How about this? Thunder and lightning. What do you think, Scott? No? no. no? Okay. <laughs> you guys have any? Um, how about zig and zag? <laughs> or, here's a good one, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. <laughs> um, a couple more here. Uh, sweet and I was cracking myself up writing these down last night, uh, thinking about us. Uh, sweet and salty. And then one more, nut and honey. <laughs> Scott, do you have one you want to add? No. Scott's like, what did you get me into this morning? <laughs> Scott and George. Scott and George. All right. Well, um, here's what we're going to do this morning. Um, I'm going to, I want to take us through a particular text where epiphany comes from. Because Christians around the world, uh, over a billion, almost two billion Christians around the world are gathering and, and talking about epiphany. Um, and a lot of the free churches and non-denominational churches, we kind of have drifted from this part of our calendar. But there are a lot of people in the world that are opening their hearts to what epiphany might mean. So I just want to I want to read a text of where we get this. I want to give us some ways to think about it. And then we're going to be invited to a particular way of growing and changing this morning. And Scott's going to help us with that. And then we're going to come to the table, which is always God's invitation of a free gift of life and healing and growth and hope. And we're going to receive together. And then we're going to go out and we're going to try to epiph. We're going to try to live this thing called epiphany in the ways that are resonating with our individual hearts. Does that sound like a plan? All right, you guys ready to go? Okay, let me, let me do this. Um, because I think every human being is searching to be loved and to love. So uh, when we gather in a place like this, that's always at the core of what we're trying to do. What does it mean to be loved? What does it mean to love more deeply? And we all have stories of searching. We're all looking for something true and beautiful and good to believe in. Um, that's what we do when we gather in this place. How can we love? How can we find something more true and beautiful that teaches us what it means to be loved and to share more love in the world? But I want to give you this definition of uh, epiphany just to kind of help us. Um, this spiritual writer, she says this. Her name's uh, Ruth Haley uh, Barton. She says, epiphany is a wonderful celebration for those who are committing themselves more deeply to the process of spiritual transformation. For it contains themes of journeying, because we're all in process. We're all on this journey. None of us have arrived and none of us will arrive. So this is a journey from the known to the unknown with only a mysterious light to guide us. It has to do with seeing something new on the horizon that stirs something new in us. You see how valuable that could be to our calendar as followers of Christ, that we'd be these people, that something new every year is being stirred in us. We don't just talk about our desire, though. We walk toward it with great intention, making concrete choices along the way. So that's what Epiphany is about. And Scott's going to help us take a concrete step this morning, because if there's anyone that knows transformation, it's my friend here, Scott Real, who I've watched do it over and over. Okay. Here's what I want to do, though. I want to read a text where, we, where Epiphany comes from. It comes out of the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 2. And I want to just read this to you, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, 
All right. Chapter 2 of Matthew, it says this. <clears throat> After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during a time of King Herod, I know this sounds like a Christmas story, but this is what happens after Christmas. Uh, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So Jesus is born, and now there's this event that's happening in the world. This star is shining, and these Magi, by the way, which are not the religious leaders of the day. They're the unauthorized people because if you go back and you read the Old Testament text, uh, Jews were told to stay away from people like the Magi. If you take the word Magi, it's where we get the word magic. But they were astrologers and uh, astrologists, and they, those things, astronomers, they kind of went together in that day. But anyways, something stirs in these people who aren't even authorized to speak or to you know, pursue what it means to uh, connect with this, this new baby that's been born. But they're, they're stirred by this star they see in the sky. And it says this in verse 9. After, it, after they had heard the king, because the king's worried now, because he, his title, is the king of Jews. And now he's hearing some people talk about this little baby who's the king of Jews. He feels threatened by this title that people were putting on this little baby, and he's got a plan of how he's going to deal with that, which we don't have time to get into today. But he kind of says, all right, you go, you go follow that star and report back to me what you find. So it says in verse 9, after they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So the story of Epiphany is about this journey. It's about this star in the natural order of the world that appears, and people are drawn to it. And here's the way the ancients thought. When something remarkable would happen on earth, they would look to the sky for a sign that something remarkable had happened. Or um, uh, the reverse of that. If something remarkable were to happen in the heavens or in the stars, they would begin to look on earth for, you know, what is that reflecting? So there are some natural things that could have been happening in that time. And, and scholars and, um, you know, people who study science and the stars and everything, they're trying to figure out what natural phenomenon could this have been. And there's a lot of discussion and debate. But something happened in that day and time. Some would say it was Jupiter and Saturn, the way they come together. Um, it was, there were special things that were happening in that moment. We just don't know the exact moment that this was. But at any rate, this is about a journey, about people seeing something and trying to make sense of it in their lives and then journeying toward it in some way because it appears to matter to them. So, I think we all start out on a spiritual journey, I hope, like this. I hope we start off by giving dignity and worth to ourselves, to the original goodness that we were made in. Every spiritual journey has to begin there. Um, and I know we have a lot of theology and faith that teaches us we start from the broken or the worst place of humanity. I don't think that's where we start. I think we start with this inherent, inherent goodness that has just been given to you. I know we've all messed it up in a myriad of ways, of course, but where you start vastly turns, up, turns out where you might end up. So we start here. We start with this goodness. And then 
if you're a decent human being and you're growing in some meaningful way and you're maturing in healthy ways, then you should be learning how to love your family and not just care about yourself, but to care about your family, right? If you're maturing in some way. And then if you continue to mature, then you begin to care about and love other people who are like your family, right? And so your, your circle begins to expand more and more. But I would say this, the invitation of Epiphany is that we would love all people, not just people who are like us, not just people who are like our family, but Epiphany invites us to start with this dignity and worth that we all have, but we would find it in every other human being too. So here's the way this person says it. If Epiphany is about loving everyone, how do we do that? But here's the way this writer says it. To love is to change. Think about this. And to love perfectly is to change many times. Mm. Epiphany is about experiencing love and our own dignity and worth. Epiphany is about allowing that to grow and expand it more to the people that are closest to us. But ultimately, that we could become these mature human beings that can find that worth and that value and have love for even the people that are most unlike us. And then even the scriptures begin to teach, even people that we frustrate us, people that we would call our enemies. So Epiphany invites us on this journey. But how many of you ever thought about love as changing? Um, when my kids were little and I was having trouble with disciplining them or helping them grow in some way, um, the instinct is what they got to change. And so you do everything you possibly can to, to force that change. But then you begin to find out that just forcing something on someone doesn't work. And I remember when the shift began to happen in my heart, why don't you start with changing you first? Maybe there's something you can do different. Maybe there's some, some way that you can grow and change that might help this situation first. What if every human being did that in every circumstance, in every situation? I think we'd find a much more peaceful and harmonious world. Okay, just a couple things um, about this text. Because Jesus goes on in chapter 4, and the first time he speaks in Matthew, he says something like this. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near you, has come near. Repent, are the first words that we hear out of Jesus. Now, here's just something I want you to know. That word repent um, is the word we get from a Greek word, and when you translate that Greek word into the English word repent, it totally loses its meaning. And I know it gets translated and we hear that word repent, but it's actually this word called metanoia. And I want to just teach you a little bit about this word. Metanoia. Meta is beyond, to go beyond, and noia is the mind. So when Jesus says repent, Jesus is inviting us to a process of change. He's saying that you can go beyond your present state of limitations that you hold in your mind. Because I bet if we were to ask, and Scott asked this question last week, Scott, are you here? Would you say hello to everybody? Uh -huh. I'm just going on and I forgot you're even sitting here. I'm getting nervous. You're getting nervous? <laughs> did you forget me? I did not forget okay. you. Scott, last week you asked us what question at the very beginning? You remember the question you asked us? I do not. You do not. You said, how many of us in here feel shame? Yes. Or how many of us in here want to change in some way? And most of us raised our hands. Um, but often we hear the word repent, 
as, I would say, a negative word, as a word that stirs up guilt, and kind of like I would do with my child, like force something upon them, and that's how they're going to change. But metanoia is, a, metanoia is actually an affirming, a life-affirming response, that there might be a better way. But what if we all believed that we're not stuck where we're at? What if we all believe that there's hope for every single one of us to be more of who we were made to be? And no matter how stuck we might feel in this moment, we can change. All right. So, another word for metanoia is growth. And if you are the same at 70 as you were at 17, Mm -hmm. you know how awkward you look (laughs) to other people. How many of you encountered someone that is older and you would think they're mature, but they act like a lot younger than they are? How many have been that person before? I know I have been. Yeah. And I would say with our spiritual lives, we could be the same way. I've encountered many people that should be way more mature than they are. And yet you see them act a particular way and it's like, God, did they, did they not grow? How many have encountered someone that you, from your past or from the, you know, the city or the town you grew up in? And you're like, you've changed, you've had all these different experiences, you meet them, and they're like, whoa, it's like time stood still, 40 years ago, nothing has changed for them. Um, It's a bit shocking. So yes, we should change. But Jesus says that this word metanoia, this going beyond, is a change of the mind and the heart. And he says, it's like the kingdom of heaven. So here's just the way I want you to think about the kingdom of heaven this morning. What if we thought about the kingdom of heaven as this? The kingdom of heaven is what is good for the whole. The kingdom of heaven is what is good for every human being. See, if we're not growing as spiritual people, as followers of Christ, these people that worship, this little baby that is the king of Jews and he's the king of the world, if we're not growing, then our entire experience is we're like a teenage Christian. And all we could see is what matters to us. All we could see is how the kingdom comes to bear on our life and our circumstances and what's in our immediate um, presence. But Jesus is inviting us to the kingdom of heaven here, which is what is good for every human being. What is the common good? That's what we're being invited to. What is good for everyone? Um, Not what is good for the Democrats or what is good for the Republicans. What is the common good? You see how we get all messed up when we just hold on to our individual good and then we identify it with something and then we have something that we stand against. The kingdom of heaven is way far grander than that, is bigger than that, and is inviting us way above. To go beyond is to go, yeah, I might identify with some particular, thi- particular things in the world, but what if I went beyond that? And what common good might there How about this? White and black. What's the common good? We could identify with one, we're born a particular way, or white and Hispanic. But there is this common good that the kingdom of heaven invites us to that goes beyond just our local identification or what we know. That's what we're being invited to here this morning. So, to get there takes a lot of growing and a lot of change. And that's what Epiphany is about. And that's why Scott Real is here. So, Scott... I finally got to you. Can you help us take one step toward growth and change this morning? First, I got to tell you how I started the day, thinking of growth. Um, 
I bought a brand new fleece jacket. I thought, I'll wear it. I'll dress up to go to the, to the View Church. George corrected me. I kept calling this The View. And he says, no, no, it's The View Church. So I got dressed well, up. Well, The View is a television program. That's why I was correcting you. Like, I don't want people to get confused. I'm on The View. <laughs> so I got my new black fleece jacket to wear at the church to look nice at The View. And I, the, the little tags that are so itchy, so, man, I, got, I can't go with that itching me, so I think I'll cut it out. Now there's a huge hole in the back of my you new... You cut out your jacket? Is that what you did? Yeah, I did. It's got a hole in it. But um, how many of you, raise your hand, because this creates universality. Um, universality is one of the most powerful words. It means that we're not alone. So raise your hand if you're hoping that this year something in you will change. Okay, so hope. This is the, what I would like to do each week is just give a little, I'm gonna make a little handout on something around for us to think about for the week that will move us towards change and transformation. Would that be helpful? And you can just take it with you and you can kind of focus it on the week. So um, here's what I want you to think about. What we think and what we choose actually manifests itself into a reality. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And so, what, here's what I want you to think about. What am I thinking about me? What are the narratives, what's the paradigm that I'm telling myself all through the week about me? and especially in my relationship to God. And so when I was looking at what Paul writes, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. And so I take that as Jesus is talking to me, Scott, think these thoughts about you, because this is how I see you and this is what I believe about you. And so, what we know about hope, so what I'm hoping for, intrinsic hope, is that I can change. That with Christ's help, my life can change. And so what I'm moving towards is the paradigm. What I really, truly believe about me is determining my life, everything. And so in Romans it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing, the changing of your mind. This is how important, there isn't anything as powerful in transforming our lives than what we believe about us. And I can come to the, I almost said the view, I can come to the View Church every Sunday and sit back there in my own mind and believe some of these things are not true for me. Because shame. I know what I've done. I know what I struggle with. I know my weaknesses. I know my flaws. And there's just, and there's an enemy that wants to thwart everything that God's trying to grow in me. And so I am having to really work hard at focusing on what I'm thinking this week, every day, every moment about me, what I'm telling myself because what I believe is what I'm telling myself. 
And that has to change. And so I take God's word and I create a, a re, I call it redirecting. When the old negative thought presents itself, the old narrative from the old paradigm, I immediately, remember I taught you that last week, I put my hands together, I just stop. Redirect, get it aligned with what the Bible, what God's word is telling me, and speak it. And I say it out loud. And this is gonna sound strange, but I'm going around all the time now saying, Scott, you're a good man. Scott, you are a good man. Believe it. And when I believe that, I feel hopeful. Endorphins are released, serotonin's released. Physically, I feel better. My mind starts a structure, starts to build new, new pathways. And so um, I just published a new book. And the whole theme of the book is transforming the paradigm by staying on this path, this path. A path has infrastructure, has boundaries, and I'm holding on to the hand. You mean, I said this last week, how many verses in the Bible Jesus is talking about and God's talking about, stay on the path with me, stay on the path. I have a pathway for you. But I drift and wander off it all the time here, right here. I call that my shadow life. When I'm starting to feel pain, when I'm feeling I'm gonna be a disappointment to you, that I'm gonna, shameful feelings come, I drift. I drift off the path. And then I start taking those old thoughts in and I'm right back to where I was. I feel the definition of hopelessness is despair. And so um, this last thing is on hope. Hope can be cultivated, it can be learned, it can be grown in us. Brene Brown says that the center of true hope is creativity. Because in creativity, a person feels empowered. So I'm looking at this way, that we maybe as a body could do this. Every day, our mindset will be, we are gonna co-create with God a new, a new transform me. And it all is taking place in my mind. This is the battlefield. And as I told you last week, whether I'm working in prisons or I'm working with pastors and leaders and everybody in between, we all are the same. Longing to know that my life matters, that I'm a good man. You'd be amazed at how I react differently to life when I really believe I'm a good man. I treat you different. I even rescue spiders when I'm feeling like I'm a good man. You rescue everything. I know. Squirrels, insects. But I tell you, I'm in a, I'm being honest with you, I'm in a battle of my life right now to hang on, to hope. I feel like I'm a thousand years old all of a sudden and it's getting short how much time I have left. I need to change now, now, while I have time. And so we need to be, all of us, I need you, you need me, we need each other, because it can't happen without community. And we need to be a community. We, need to know, we need, all need to know we are, each of us are and be there for each other. Empathy, empathy is the most powerful transforming environment for our brains. And empathy is, I'm here for you. I hear your story and I'm not going anywhere. I believe in you, I'm for you. 
Um, and I will never, ever abandon you. And those are the words of Christ, and we experience that in the body. So I'd like to do that each week. I'll just make a little handout. I'm just going to give a little blurb, something for us to focus on during the week that moves us all towards that intrinsic hope of transformation and growth. Thank you. Scott, um, I think one specific way you can help us all, you said that to hear yourself tell yourself you're a good person changes everything. Um, and often the notion that we could be loved by a divine being in some way, in some ways can seem saccharine, you know, real sugary or sweet. But the truth is, is that to really thrive as human beings is to really believe that there is some inherent worth and dignity that we start with. That even in spite of all of our brokenness, all the things that we may have done that we regret, that nothing could ever fully erase that worth and, and, and that goodness. So uh, the path for you and staying on the path always starts with experiencing the love of God and believing that that's true for you. Can you, can you, can you just speak that, how valuable that is to the journey of transformation? Well, what I was going to say is it's important that we believe that we can always make a new beginning from wherever we are, with whatever has happened, whatever we've done, wherever we've struggled with. They say that they now know how our God created our brains that we're forward thinking. We need to have something to look forward to, to live forward for, at all, no matter what we're struggling with. And so always being fresh, always starting anew, that's, and a God who's never tired, never gets old, that's what I gotta believe. And then that then is instilled in me and that just creates in me a feeling of hope. Hope keeps us alive during our time. We need hope. So. Well, here's the way we're going to open our hearts to that hope and that love is we're going to uh, share in a ritual that has been happening for 2,000 years. This ritual comes from Jesus himself. And anywhere you might go in the world, uh, to have a meal or to share a drink with someone. It's a universal sign of friendship, of intimacy, of love. I mean, this is a universal thing that happens all around the world. So I don't know what kind of tradition. Someone told us today, because this is the second time we've done communion in the same week. And they're like, are we going Catholic? And I'm like, actually we are, because the good part of Catholicism or being Catholic is universal. There are universal things that are true to every human being. So in that way, we are being Catholic. That there is this offer of God to every single human being of friendship, of love, of intimacy, and of a desire to see us be everything we were made to be. And so um, I just want you to know, if there is something going on in your heart, in your life, and you're the only one carrying it by yourself, could maybe this journey of epiphany, could it be a time maybe where you shared that with one other soul, that you just didn't hold it to yourself, that maybe you can find friendship and love along the journey and whatever that struggle is? And if there is a struggle, could Christ compel you this morning with the offer of new life, with an offer that these human lives we've been given, they could be way better than they are. The world could be a 
way better place if we all could walk this journey of epiphany. Um, Scott is open and honest and real about his. Scott real, fits his name perfect. I have a pastor in this season of epiphany. There's things that are besetting me. There's fears, insecurities. Um, this isn't, I'm not living life entirely that God's given me to live. I'm, I want that new life too. And so this morning, none of us should be fearful of coming to this table. It's a table of welcome. And even though these are very simple elements that we're taking, it's bread and some grape juice, epiphany and metanoia, the invitation of Jesus in repentance is to move beyond. These elements help us move beyond. They're a reminder of our inherent worth and goodness and dignity and that we're loved. But even beyond that, I think something mysterious happens when we open our hearts to moments like these that in swallowing this bread, and by the way, this bread, it's gluten-free, nut-free, soy-free, dairy-free. I mean, it's free of everything. It may not be the best tasting, but you don't have to worry about putting it in your body. But as simple and as basic as it is, Could it be something more for each of us in this room this morning? Could it touch us and go into our bellies but speak love and invite us on a journey of being a little more of who God has made us all to be? Because that's what Epiphany is all about. So I'm going to go and I'm going to serve our servers and then we're going to invite you. We'll start here from the front rows up here at the front. If you guys will go this way to your left. You guys will go to your right over here. We'll serve you and then we'll return to our seats and we'll, we'll have a word of benediction. But here's what I want you to think about. If you'll put that up on the screen. This is what I've been praying in this season of Epiphany and I just want to share it with you. I thought it might be helpful. Name your debts. Claim your births. Grieve and ingest. Don't cling. Receive new life. Lori, I know you lost your dad this week. And so grieving isn't meaningful to you. Um, Maybe some of us in this room have lost someone we love or there's a dream that's dying. But this is actually the invitation of Jesus through Henry Nouwen. Name your deaths, claim your births, grieve and adjust, don't cling, receive new life. So may you, when you come this morning, may you practice at least one of these, all right? I'm going to serve the servers and then we'll let you guys come.